0: chapter two of mount royal volume three by mary elizabeth braden this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two yours on monday god's to-day the warning gong sounded at half-past seven as usual and at eight the butler announced dinner captain vandeleur and mr montague had returned from bodmin and they were grouped in front of the fire talking in undertones with mr tregonell while christabel and the younger miss vandeleur sat on a sofa silent after a few murmured expressions of grief on the part of the latter lady it is like a dream sighed Mopsy. this being the one remark which a young person of her calibre inevitably makes upon such an occasion it is like a dreadful dream playing billiards last night and now dead it is too awful yes it is awful death is always awful answered christabel mechanically she had told herself that it was her duty to appear at the dinner-table to fulfil all her responsibilities as wife and hostess not to give any one the right to say that she was bemoaning him who had once been her lover and she was here to do her duty she wanted all the inhabitants of her little world to see that she mourned for him only as a friend grieves for the loss of a friend soberly with pious submission to the divine will that had taken him away for two hours she had remained on her knees beside her bed drowned in tears numbed by despair feeling as if life could not go on without him as if this heavily beating heart of hers must be slowly throbbing to extinction and then the light of reason had begun to glimmer through the thick gloom of grief and her lips had moved in prayer and as if in answer to her prayers came the image of her child to comfort and sustain her let me not dishonour my darling she prayed let me remember that i am a mother as well as a wife if i owe my husband very little i owe my son everything inspired by that sweet thought of her boy unwilling for his sake to give occasion for even the feeblest scandal she had washed the tears from her pale cheeks and put on a dinner gown and had gone down to the drawing-room just ten minutes before the announcement of dinner she remembered how david when his beloved was dead had risen and washed and gone back to the business of life "'What use are my tears to him now he is gone?' she said to herself, as she went downstairs. Miss Bridgman was not in the drawing-room, but Mopsy was there, dressed in black and looking very miserable. "'I could not get poor Dop to come down,' she said apologetically. "'She has been lying on her bed crying ever since she heard the dreadful news. She is so sensitive, poor girl, and she liked him so much, and he had been so attentive to her. I hope you'll excuse her.' "'Please don't apologize. I can quite imagine that this shock has been dreadful for her, for everyone in the house. Perhaps you would rather dine upstairs so as to be with your sister? No, answered Mopsy, taking Christabel's hand with a touch of real feeling. I had rather be with you. You must feel his loss more than we can. You had known him so much longer. Yes, it is just five years since he came to Mount Royal. Five years is not much in the lives of some people but it seems the greater part of my life. "'We will go away tomorrow," said Mopsy. "'I am sure you'll be glad to get rid of us. It will be a relief, I mean. Perhaps at some future time you will let us come again for a little while. We have been so intensely happy here.' "'Then I shall be happy for you to come again next summer if we are here,' answered Christabel, kindly, moved by Mopsy's naivete. "'One can never tell. Next year seems so far off in the hour of trouble.' dinner was announced and they all went in and made believe to dine in a gloomy silence broken now and then by dismal attempts at general conversation on the part of the men once Mopsy took heart of grace and addressed her brother did you like the hanging jack she asked as if it were play no it was hideous detestable i will never put myself in the way of being so tortured again the guillotine is swifter and more merciful i saw a man blown from a gun in india there were bits of him on my boots when i got home but it was not so bad as the hanging to-day the limp helpless figure swaying and trembling in the hangman's grip while they put the noose on the cap dragged roughly over the ghastly face the monotonous croak of the parson beating on like a machine while the poor wretch was being made ready for his doom it was all horrible to the last degree why can't we poison our criminals let them die comfortably as socrates died of a dose of some strong narcotic the parson might have some chance sitting by the dying man's bed in the quiet of his cell it would be much nicer said mopsy where's miss Bridgman?" leonard asked suddenly looking round the table as if only that moment perceiving her absence she's not in her room sir mary thinks she has gone out answered the butler gone out after dark what can have been her motive for going out at such an hour asked leonard of his wife angrily i have no idea she may have been sent for by some sick person you know how good she is i know what a humbug she is retorted leonard daniel go and find out if any messenger came for miss bridgeman or if she left any message for your mistress daniel went out and came back again in five minutes no one had seen any messenger no one had seen miss bridgeman go out that's always the case here when i want to ascertain a fact growled leonard no one sees or knows anything there are twice too many servants for one to be decently served well it doesn't matter much miss bridgeman is old enough to take care of herself and if she walks off a cliff it will be her loss and nobody else's i don't think you ought to speak like that of a person whom your mother loved and who is my most intimate friend said christabel with grave reproach leonard had drunk a good deal at dinner and indeed there had been an inclination on the part of all three men to drown their gloomy ideas in wine while even mopsy who generally took her fair share of champagne allowed the butler to fill her glass rather oftener than usual sighing as she sipped the sparkling bright-coloured wine and remembering even in the midst of her regret for the newly dead that she would very soon have returned to a domicile where muet was not the daily beverage nay where at times the very beer-barrel ran dry after dinner christabel went to the nursery it flashed upon her with the cutest pain as she entered the room that when last she had been there she had not known of angus hamley's death he had been lying yonder by the waterfall dead and she had not known and now the fact of his death was an old thing part of the history of her life the time when he was alive and with her full of bright thoughts and poetic fancies seemed ever so long ago yet it was only yesterday Yesterday, and gone from her life as utterly as if it were an episode in the records of dead and gone ages, as old as the story of Tristan and Isoult. She sat with her boy till he fell asleep, and sat beside him as he slept in the dim light of the night lamp, thinking of him who lay dead in the lonely farmhouse among those green hills they two had loved so well, hushed by the voice of the distant sea, sounding far inland in the silence of night. She remembered how he had talked last night of the undiscovered country. And how as he talked with flushed cheeks and two brilliant eyes she had seen the stamp of death on his face they had talked of the gates ajar a book which they had read together in the days gone by and which christabel had often returned to since that time a book in which the secrets of the future are touched lightly by a daring but a delicate hand a book which accepts every promise of the gospel in its most literal sense and overflows with an exultant belief in just such a heaven as poor humanity wants. In this author's creed, transition from death to life is instant. Death is the Lucina of life. There is no long lethargy of the grave. There is no time of darkness. Straight from the bed of death the spirit rushes to the arms of the beloved ones who have gone before. Death, so glorified, becomes only the reunion of love. He had talked of Socrates. And the faithful few who waited at the prison doors in the early morning when the sacred ship had returned and the end was near and of that farewell discourse in the upper chamber of the house at jerusalem which seems dimly foreshadowed by the philosopher's converse with his disciples at athens the struggle towards light at jerusalem the light itself in fullest glory christabel felt herself bound by no social duty to return to the drawing-room more especially as miss vandeleur had gone upstairs to sit with the afflicted Dopsy, who was bewailing the dead very sincerely in her own fashion with little bursts of hysterical tears and fragmentary remarks i know he didn't care a straw for me she gasped dabbing her temples with a handkerchief soaked in eau de cologne yet it seemed sometimes almost as if he did he was so attentive but then he had such lovely manners no doubt he was just as attentive to all girls oh mop if he had cared for me and if i had married him what a paradise this earth would have been mr Tregonell told me that he had quite four thousand a year and thus and thus with numerous variations on the same theme poor Dopsy mourned for the dead man while the low murmur of the distant sea beating forever and forever against the horned cliffs and dashing silvery white about the base of that mechard rock which looks like a couchant lion keeping guard over the shore sounded like a funeral chorus in the pauses of her talk it was half past ten when christabel left her boy's bedside and on her way to her own room suddenly remembered jessie's unexplained absence she knocked at miss Bridgman's door twice but there was no answer and then she opened the door and looked in expecting to find the room empty jessie was sitting in front of the fire in her hat and jacket staring at the burning coals there was no light in the room except the glow and flame of the fire but even in that cheerful light jessie looked deadly pale jessie exclaimed christabel going up to her and putting a gentle hand upon her shoulder for she took no notice of the opening of the door where in heaven's name have you been where should i have been surely you can guess i have been to see him To the farm? Alone? At night? Alone? At night? Yes. I would have walked through storm and fire. I would have walked through— She set her lips like iron and muttered through her clenched teeth, Hell! Jessie, Jessie, how foolish! What good could it do? None to him, I know, but perhaps a little to me. I think if I had stayed here I should have gone stark raving mad i felt my brain reeling as i sat and thought of him in the twilight and then it seemed to me as if the only comfort possible was in looking at his dead face holding his dead hand and i have done it and i am comforted a little she said with a laugh which ended in a convulsive sob my good warm-hearted jessie murmured christabel bending over her lovingly tears raining down her cheeks i know you always liked him always liked him echoed the other, staring at the fire in blank tearless grief liked him yes always but you must not take his death so despairingly dear you know that under the fairest circumstances he had not very long to live we both knew that yes we knew it i knew thought i had realized the fact told myself every day that in a few months he would be hidden from us underground gone to a life where we cannot follow him even with our thoughts though we pretend to be so sure about it as those women do in the gates ajar i told myself this every day and yet now that he is snatched away suddenly cruelly mysteriously it is as hard to bear as if i had believed that he would live a hundred years i am not like you a piece of statuesque perfection i cannot say thy will be done when my dearest the only man i ever loved upon this wide earth is snatched from me Does that shock your chilly propriety, you who only half loved him, and who broke his heart at another woman's bidding? Yes, I loved him from the first. Loved him all the while he was your lover, and found it enough for happiness to be in his company. To see and hear him, and answer every thought of his with sympathetic thoughts of mine, understanding him quicker and better than you could, bright as you are, happy to go about with you two. To be the shadow in the sunshine of your glad young lives just as a dog who loved him would have been happy following at its heels yes bell i loved him i think almost from the hour he came here in the sweet autumn twilight when i saw that poetic face half in fire glow and half in darkness loved him always 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 and admired him as the most perfect among men Jessie, my dearest my bravest And you were so true and loyal you never by word or look betrayed what do you think of me cried jessie indignantly do you suppose that i would not rather have cut out my tongue thrown myself off the nearest cliff than give him one lightest occasion to suspect what a paltry-souled creature i was so weak that i could not cure myself of loving another woman's lover while he lived i hated myself for my folly now he is dead i glory in the thought of how i loved him how i gave him the most precious treasures of my soul my reverence my regard my tears and hopes and prayers those are the only gold and frankincense and myrrh which the poor of this earth can offer and i gave them freely to my divinity christabel laid her hand upon the passionate lips and kneeling by her friend's side comforted her with gentle caresses Do you suppose I am not sorry for him, Jessie? She said reproachfully after a long pause. Yes, no doubt you are in your way, but it is such an icy way. Would you have me go raving about the house? I, Leonard's wife, Leo's mother. I try to resign myself to God's will, but I shall remember him till the end of my days with unspeakable sorrow. He was like sunshine in my life so that life without him seemed all one dull grey, till the baby came, and brought me back to the sunlight, and gave me new duties, new cares. Yes, you can find comfort in a baby's arms, that is a blessing. My comfort was to see my beloved in his bloody shroud, shot through the heart, shot through the heart. Well, the inquest will find out something tomorrow, I hope, but I want you to go with me tomorrow morning, as soon as it is light, to the Kiev what for to see the spot where he died what will be the good jessie i know the place too well it has been in my mind all this evening there will be some good perhaps at any rate i want you to go with me and if there ever was any reality in your love if you are not merely a beautiful piece of mechanism with a heart that beats by clockwork you will go if you wish it i will go as soon as it is light say at seven o'clock "'I will not go till after breakfast. "'I want the business of the house to go on "'just as calmly as if this calamity had never happened. "'I don't want anyone to be able to say "'Mrs. Tregonell is in despair at the loss of her old lover. "'In fact, you want people to suppose that you never cared for him.' "'They cannot suppose that, when I was once so proud of my love. "'All I want is that no one should think I loved him too well "'after I was a wife and mother. "'I will give no occasion for scandal.' didn't i say that you were a handsome automaton i do not want any one to say hard things of me when i am dead hard things that my son may hear when you are dead you talk as if you thought you were to die soon you are of the stuff that wears to three score and ten and even beyond the psalmist's limit there is no friction for natures of your calibre when werther had shot himself charlotte went on cutting bread and butter don't you know it was her nature to be proper and good and useful, and never to give offence. Her nature to cut bread and butter, concluded Jessie, laughing bitterly. Christabel stayed with her for an hour, talking to her, consoling her, speaking hopefully of that unknown world so fondly longed for, so piously believed in by the woman who had learned her creed at Mrs. Tregonell's knees. Many tears were shed by Christabel during that hour of mournful talk, but not one by Jessie Bridgman. Hers was a dry-eyed grief. After breakfast, then, we will walk to the Kiev, said Jessie, as Christabel left her. Would it be too much to ask you to make it as early as you can? I will go the moment I am free. Good night, dear. End of chapter 2